0: The six this is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that covers all things finance, but tends to focus on its hobby horses. <laughs> I'm Andrew Page, and with me, Mr. Scott
2: Phillips. We have a very significant horse fetish for this podcast. I we have to say. do. We do. Our it it? high horse, and our hobby horses, and our other things—it's it's, a worrying. A magnificent animal, my, my friend. You don't sound 100 today.
1: I'm not feeling great under the be weather. Honest with
2: you. Yes, I want you. To, I want to help you feel better.
1: Uh, okay. What are we going to talk about first? Um, well, we're going to check in on the housing market. There you go. Your favorite. You'll be so much better after this. That'll one. perk me up. All right, what don't else? Don't you worry. Um, so I'm calling the end of the boom there. So I'm going to <laughs> jump all over that. Uh, results wrap. Um, we've been covering a few results lately. Um, another bank has come out with results, NAB, but also the big tech giants continuing to knock it out of the park uh, Facebook, uh, Tesla, and Apple. We have mm-hmm. to talk a bit about them. We will. I am not going to let another podcast episode go by. Make <laughs>
2: making you feel good.
1: <laughs> without This is, this is really good. This is why I came. Otherwise, I would have called in sick. <laughs> but I, I had to come in and, and, and check up on your Bitcoin brain explosion. Nice. Thank you. And um, I'm pretty sure you're up like a million percent. So the last laugh is on me there, but we'll we'll, we'll uh, follow up on that. I'll keep you in
2: suspenders until then.
1: We're going to open up a mailbag too. we got a, a listener question throughout the week. Almost
2: said viewer question, listener question. And <laughs> I get on my high horse. And of course, you're Andrew Page and I'm Scott Phillips. That's right. Let's Did do I it. say that? No, that's All right. right. Throw okay. it in now. So, I distracted you at the beginning with the horse thing. Okay. My fault.
1: Horses will do that, mate. <laughs> so, so housing, we had to talk about this. And the reason that we had to talk about this because <laughs> well, ha- had to? if you opened a paper- or Had n- to or
2: you wanted to? <laughs> well,
1: well, we had to, right? Let's face it. It's, it's in my contract. and, and uh, In your in your handwriting, as I recall. It totally is. <laughs> But I opened up the paper the other day, more technically, I, I saw it on my phone and and UBS says, And you had
2: the best day in weeks, didn't I
1: you? I did, I did. We all love a bit of confirmation bias. <laughs> we talked about this and UBS came out and it said, Australia's housing boom is quote unquote, officially over. Officially? It's not which just, which it's, government department said it was over? Well, let's not, let's not dig too <laughs> deeply into that. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, clicked on that one for sure. <laughs> and, and then I was a little, i got to be honest with you, mate, I was a little bit disappointed. Oh, so they, why are they calling it officially over? Well, we've saw a decline in, uh, in uh, Sydney house prices. <laughs> Do you want to know how big the decline was? Oh, go on. It's the largest decline oh. over a comparable period since May, 2016. So wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs>
2: And the decline was 0.6% so, so, so hang on in, in, in the best part of What do we call that? 16 months? Something like that So there's that. already one chance in six That it was going to be the worst One chance in six So it was going to be the worst anyway Yeah And we also saw... and, why, and why was the boom officially over? I don't Roy? know I don't know You know why? Why? Because UBS said there was two declines in a row, two two, de- two months of decline two. in a row. Therefore, well, the they, boom is they're over. also
1: talking about clearance rates. So that's how how many auctions uh, actually clear actually result in a sale.
2: I love that. That is my absolute least favorite metric. And,
1: and Sydney was fifty eight percent, which is quite you know down. It was eighty odd percent uh, this in the corresponding week a year ago.
2: That's terrible. So they've
1: taken those two things and they've said <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of thought, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> what,
2: what, what's your take? I I posted on t- Twitter during the week. If you're not following us on Twitter, I suggest you do because we're funny and interesting and not really, but there might be some stuff occasionally you'd like. I'm TMF Scott P. Andrew is Sage underscore Simeon. Wise monkey. Yes, apparently. More apt than you <laughs> might imagine. <laughs> anyway, say, Sage underscore Simeon or TMF Scott mm-hmm. P, TMF being the Motley Fool. Mm-hmm. I said, whether the boom is over or not, I know one thing. Two months of negative price movement isn't conclusive either way it's it's a little bit early to say is That it? is the definition of tenuous isn't it? Yeah. Well, ma- imagine if the imagine if the market eventually if the stock market was a bear market every time there was 2 months of negative returns. You're right. We'd be in a bear market half the time. Yeah. So Just crazy, So the other thing was is I forget the exact
1: date but it was like you know the worst set of numbers since May 2015 or whatever it was. Mm, like, 16.
2: Well
1: actually since then house prices have gone up they're still up 7%. So <laughs> last right. time you saw this and called the end of the boom things yeah. have been going really yeah. really well. Yeah, that's high. right.
2: If, if we have if we have a couple of down months of Half a percent every time the market's up 7%, I'd be happy with that.
1: Look, I, I think I, I'll put a uh, round all of this off by sort of saying that as much as much as I would, there's a part of me that just needs to so desperately be right <laughs> on this because I've been so desperately wrong for a long time. I think, uh, I think you know, the the, the journos and the, the media outlets know what gets people to click on links. And anytime you mention housing, it's going to get that. So so that's why they're going to do it for starters. I think you're always going to see the kind of things that you want to see there. But mm. if, if you sort of take a step back and... Um, there's a, there's an investor out there I really respect called Howard Marks. Um, Mm -hmm. he's really one of the, the all time legends, um, in, in investing. And he tends to talk about, not so much about trying to predict the future, but just trying to know where you are today. And I would say without being too sort of, you know, sensationalistic, I just sort of come back to the point that look, prices are very, very high, um, against traditional measures. Um, wages are flat. And you look at all of that, and it doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that there's going to be a crash, it doesn't even mean that things are going to slow down, but it does statistically mean that things are going to get harder and harder from here to stretch that rubber band. So I guess the common sense thing that I always land on with all of this is don't 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 try and buy a house because you're going to speculate on massive double digit growth over the next year. That's right. extraordinarily reckless, especially right. when you're dealing with large amounts of debt. But just ask yourself, is this something that I can afford to do? Yep. If the worst happens to happen it might not but if it does you know you don't want to be left
2: high and dry it would be uh irresponsible of me not to point out you probably said that in 2008 too i probably did <laughs> and, that and, and you know what this is the, this is
1: the thing because you you know um i was gonna say you can be too clever but that's just really tried to preserve a very fragile <laughs> ego
2: here I'm, I'm too clever to be right yeah
1: i'm too clever I'm, too, I'm way too clever to be right <laughs> But that's, I mean, I totally overthought this stuff. And I started, you started looking at all these things and I, I would have thought I could have made a pretty cogent argument and you yeah. know, a whole bunch of um, smart boffins out there were saying the same kind of thing, yeah. but you know what? It kind of went on. And this is, this is the kind of thing we talked a bit about that with Bitcoin last week is that as, as crazy as it all is, it doesn't mean mm. that the thing can't triple, quadruple 10x from here.
2: I think that's, I think that's a really good point. Like, as much as I love giving you grief, cause it's just fun. Um, I, I, I will back you up in this one. It You know. Just because something is likely to happen doesn't mean it always will, yeah. and just because something is unlikely doesn't mean it never will happen. And so, the job of investors is to put the odds in our favour. You know, we, we use that betting kind of terminology partly because it's easy and we kind of know those things. Partly because it's not that dissimilar. Like gambling and and, and investing are really different, but at the kind of at the heart of it, it's all about the future expected value, right? Yeah. Professional punters only punt when they think they're more likely than not to win, yeah. and investors do the same thing. And so. In as much as you're not always, you know, always favorites not always going to win, yep. but they will more often than not. That's the way that odds are framed. Yep. And similarly, as you said, you know, for a very long time, housing has seemed very expensive, yep. and it was a very prudent idea to say, let's not get too excited here. Yeah. In, in a number of parallel universes, the housing market crashed five years ago and it's still down 40%. It's just just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it wasn't likely, just because it does doesn't mean it was impossible.
1: Yeah, and that's it. and again just to just to put a line under all of this, look, do, do what you can afford to do, base it all on sensible uh, extrapolations and go from there. If you need a house to live, that's a very sensible reason to buy a house as long as you can afford that. Factor in a few interest rate rises, factor in the chance that you or your partner may lose their job, yeah. you know, roll all of that in. If it still makes sense then by all means absolutely do it and just don't overthink it.
2: Now speaking of which, are you going to double down now on mortgage stress?
1: Well, actually that was another article that we <laughs> saw and this is one of these things scenes... got brighter again <laughs> I picked up you, may, you may just improved dramatically so <laughs> there was another report out throughout the week and it said that nearly 20 percent uh, sorry the number of australian families facing mortgage distress has soared by nearly 20 percent in the past six months there's more than nine hundred thousand families uh, in the country that are quote unquote under mortgage stress. And they reckon that mm. that could top 1 million by next year. That's a new uh, analysis that came out throughout the week. What what say you about that? I think it's a
2: really important point. I think I think mortgage, look, a, bit, a little bit like a comment about house prices. There's been large levels of mortgage stress for the last decade. Yeah. And so again, the existence of it doesn't cause or, or, or result in any sort of downturn. What it does say is if we do enter some choppy waters, the Australian household sector as the economists like to say isn't particularly well prepared. Mm-hmm. Now on the other hand NAB was out during the week we'll talk about their results in a minute mm-hmm. but they did say the average loan LVR that was the loan compared to the value of the asset mm-hmm. was in the 60% range. Yeah. And that the average loan holder was actually 30 months ahead on their repayments. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got two really conflicting numbers and what worries me I suppose is that averages the old joke about the economist says you know you've got one hand in the freezer one in the oven and so it doesn't average everything's fine. Yeah right. Um you may well have, a, a, to use another wanky word, bifurcating economy mm-hmm. where yeah. there's a group of people in mortgage stress, mm-hmm. another group of people miles ahead in their mortgage. Mm-hmm. You can't just take the average and say, therefore, it's okay. And the, the risk about this is if there are decent numbers of Australians in or near mortgage stress or distress, mm. um, that really does make the economy and frankly the housing system much more fragile if we do enter those choppy waters. I think
1: the, the definition that they've used in this instance for mortgage stress is that they're really struggling to to make those mortgage repayments. They're either having to borrow more money, they're yeah. having to cut back on other essentials, um, which is which is a very emotionally stressful situation right. to be in.
2: And with the Bank of England having increased interest rates over there overnight, yeah. Australia's looking in the barrel of at some point the RBA will do that here. Um, yeah, look. If we have a message to all of our listeners, and, and frankly tell your friends, just be very careful how much you borrow because you know it's the Warren Buffett says leverage is the only way a smart bloke can go broke. Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that's about right. That's pretty true. What do we say, mate, to those who might be in this in this situation? For better or worse, they've found themselves here. They just they're just really struggling to, to meet that mortgage repayment. What do you yeah. do? I mean, it's, it's a bit. It's not really helpful at that stage to say oh you shouldn't have done it. Right. Um, but you're here now. What what, ac- what actions would you take?
2: I think you need to think really logically about how likely you are to get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to capitulate at the worst possible moment. So right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush to do anything in particular, but if you genuinely think there's no light at the end of this particular tunnel, if you don't see a way to resolve that. And frankly, if you are thinking about, well, if rates got up a quarter of a point or half a point, I'm completely staffed. Um, I would probably take the hard call and sell your house quite frankly. And I'm yeah. not, not in a desperate way. Mm-hmm. I just think if you can't afford to repay the mortgage, do it now while you've got the choice rather than later when you don't have the choice, you're probably going to lose some equity in your house. Mm. You know, if, if you are at that point, um, as, as painful as it is, and, and it's hard to admit to yourself and to other people and whatever, kind of, you might just have to make the, the, the kind of gutsy call and, and the right call and take action now while the, the pain is not too bad mm. rather than waiting for it to get worse.
1: Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I, I'd also say just take a very close look at, at your expenses. Um, do the Do a family budget. It's one of those really, you know, personal finance 101 type things Yeah, you know right. where, where's the, how much you got coming in and where is it going and yep. and when you really start to take a close look at that you'll you'll find some areas that you can trim yeah, good point. and uh, again it's not it's not fun no one wants to sit at home eating baked beans and two minute noodles and never doing anything. That's that's the no life I'm to live. You're you're the exception. On toast is it's pretty good. Mate, you are the exception there. But for most of us who, who like some of the finest <laughs> you know, you have you've, you've got a cup. <laughs> oh, very simple. I got man. a mate of mine who who um, always whines about not having enough money and yet he probably eats out three or four times a week. You yeah. know, he's he's always got the five dollar latte in his hand you can't make you anyway. Um you need to help yourself
0: yep. un, under some instances. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk results. Speaking of banks. Um, an
1: NAB came out with a result. Now, they had a shocker of result uh, last year. Yep. So I think um, on their statutory numbers, it was a gazillion percent increase, a very, very technical
2: term (laughs) there. Um, You've got a gazillion percent button on your calculator. I, you? do, I do, yeah. but in yeah.
1: terms of you know um, uh, underlying cash profit result, it was yep. an improvement. Um, another very very big billion re- dollar record number. Six point six of them, something like that. And, and but it was up about two and a half percent. And the market didn't like it. Actually, shares were down almost three percent when that news mm. came out. Mm. Um, a little bit about what we talked about. Uh, what was it? I've already forgotten, mate. Um, I'm going to blame it on the quadruals. What was Good the idea. bank we talked about last ANZ week? ANZ last thank week. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. I knew that. Uh, same kind of thing. Honestly, it's like it's moving attention. ahead, but she's not really at a kind of yeah, rate. that right. just I would argue that really justifies a lot of these valuations. Yep. Yep. But as with ANZ, they're looking to move the dial on the cost front. Yep. And they're going to try and cut around about 6,000 um, staff over the next three years. In fact, it's going to be about 4,000 on net. So it's interesting. They're going to cut 6,000-odd staff really simplify things. They reckon that that, that's going to really lead to some significant savings, but they're going to hire another 2,000 here with a huge focus on digital skills. Get this, data science, this is where it gets called robotics. Oh, there you go. And...
2: And Artificial Intelligence. I want to go to a NAB branch and be greeted by Dexter from Perfect Match. That's <laughs> mate, what I really want. Mate, if that's the technology they're rolling out, <laughs> sell. Your bank loan compatibility score is 85%. <laughs> that's Say, I could be Dexter. That's my next job. Everyone over 50
1: is laughing. <laughs> Everyone else is
2: going, what, what the, the hell, hell <laughs> are you talking about? Let over there are going, oh, that's probably funny, but I don't have any that idea. I sort of about. know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about, but it. not really.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Mate, you're not missing out, let me tell you. Come on. So, uh, what do you what make of the results? What do you think?
2: I've still got Perfect Match, so I can make with people walking down the beach with a heart-shaped thing over the top, and Dexter. show. Was it what Greg Evans? Is that his name? Greg Evans. Greg yeah, Evans from Perfect yeah. Match. There you go. Yep. Do yourself a favour if you're under fifty or so. Go and look for a Perfect Match on Google and YouTube. You will look at it and go, "I can't believe those silly <laughs> bastards used to watch that show." Exactly. Anyway, um, the NAB. Look, two and a half percent growth in profit is not enough. Um, the biggest risk for NAB, and frankly, Andrew Thorburn, the CEO, not only are they, you know, sacking 3- six thousand people. They're also going to spend another billion and a half dollars trying to effectively keep up. And so basically what he said, we're going to spend all this money just to offset the risk of being overtaken by somebody else. And that's that's kind of a really crappy place to be when, when your company says, so guess what? We're going to cut a lot of costs, reinvest all that money just to stand still. There's no growth coming. There's no nothing else going on. It's kind of a... It's not, the, it's not the message you want from the from the, the company whose shares you own. Um, I, I think you'll find growth, and again, remember this is 2.5% profit growth Mm. in a market that house price growth is still in the major capitals over in double digit numbers, even despite our comment about the boom being officially over. So Mm. if that boom is over, if there is slower house price growth, profit growth is going to come under pressure. Margins are getting squeezed. The competitors are absolutely knocking on the door. The Apple pays, the Android pays, Mm -hmm. the PayPal's, Mm -hmm. God knows how many fintech businesses are trying to start up around the CBD of Sydney and circular key. Um, You know, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a quality business. But the upside is relatively limited, and the downside is, frankly, what we say in the trade is asymmetric. In other words, there's a bigger chance of a downside than an upside. I'd be, I'd be a little bit careful if I was investing in NAB trying to beat the market.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's it. It was interesting, too. The dividend was kept steady, and they're looking to basically maintain it. So although it's a pretty juicy dividend, it's not growing. I think the thing you hit upon there is, I mean, if there's one thing that sort of divides people. It's things like the supermarkets and the big banks when it comes to investing. And I know that you've actually just, again, for full disclosure here is that NAB is a company you've nominated to our everlasting income uh, members. Exactly. And I think the thing that you sort of highlighted there is if you want to beat the market, which is the important caveat, if you are after something that's just going to sit there and pay a pretty decent income in a low interest rate world, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you could do far worse than that. If you want to really sort of outpace the market, that's where it's probably less
2: Sensible. Yeah. Look we'll, we'll move on but for, for for everyone listening to this we would always suggest if you if you're, you should be trying to beat the market as an investor if not you should buy the market in other words mm-hmm. if you want to pick individual stocks you got to, you got to aim to beat the market if you can't beat the market buy an index and get the index return get the market's average return Guaranteed. aiming to get less than the market is a massively suboptimal outcome yep. except if you're on a very particular time of life, which is near or in retirement, when it's that dividend income, and frankly, the fully franked or, or tax effective dividend income you're looking for, um, that's the one time and the one scenario where I think it makes sense to maybe trade away a little bit of performance for the tax effectiveness and that income and the steadiness of that income that you're looking for. And so I think NAB is a great option for income investors, but I wouldn't want to buy it and try and beat the market.
1: Now, let's talk about some uh, more exciting companies. And unfortunately, <laughs> companies that aren't on the ASX. We talked about Amazon last week. We did. And we talked about Alphabet, uh, or uh, the, the company formerly known as Google. Yes. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Facebook. Now, Facebook is just, uh, it is hard not to be super impressed at this. <laughs> Revenue came in at $10.33 billion for the third quarter. That is up, wait for it, 47%. <laughs> Over the last year, this Isn't is a company that, that is already massive, and yeah. then they're continuing yeah. to grow. Like that. earnings per share yeah. were up seventy seven percent. Can I say for the record? I remember when these guys were floating, and I was I was on the telly. I said, Andrew, what do you reckon about this? And I said, uh, I wouldn't go near it. I like the company. It's it was a hundred times earnings. I like for those that know PEs, right. it was. Yeah, it just Stupidly seems expensive. a little bit expensive, and so it listed, and then the shares fell away, and I, I was doing victory <laughs> laps. I was doing. I, I told you bastards. so. I told you so. Oh, what a mistake! What a regret! Because things have just like continued to go from strength to strength to strength. There, mm. before we get, well, let's try not to get too much no, into not. the weeds here. But what's 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 the big takeaway from something like that?
2: I was, we're talking about this in the office this week, Andrew, and I, I, I'm not sure I was wrong about Facebook. And I, I was... Uh, Sorry, I choked on my Thank, teeth every second. Saying, I, I, think, I
1: think, yeah, okay.
2: Now, so here, here's here's what I think, right? So as an investor, we're going to see lots and lots and lots of profitable opportunities pass us by. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and do our best to swing for the ones that we think are successful investments. <laughs> and so if you think about how that comes together as an investor, if you're a high-risk investor, you're going to buy a whole lot of high-risk companies, lose a fortune on some, hopefully make a fortune on others and come out okay. If you're a super conservative investor, you're going to buy low-growth stocks, low low PE stocks, you're going to try and... so. Whatever your particular style is, you need to invest along that style. Mm-hmm. And so just because I missed a uh, Facebook, for example, something else, if that's not my core style, trying to swing for the fences with a style that's not yours means you're probably going to end up in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, uh, Michael Jordan, who, who was a fantastic basketball player. Mm-hmm. So I can't play baseball. And he kind of sucked, right? right? And so really great basketball player. Is he a great sportsman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Should he? Should he say, well... You know, I, I should go and play baseball and cricket and mm. et cetera, et cetera. Or she'd say, Well, I know that's my sport. That's what I do really well. I'll stick to what I do best. Stick to your knitting. So mm. for me, Facebook, look, the, the question at that time you were on TV, Andrew, and I said the same thing. I, I, was, I said I wouldn't buy it. I don't think I said it was a terrible investment, but I said I wouldn't buy it, mm. is because I hadn't yet worked out how to monetize mobile. Yeah. Now, history says I've done it spectacularly well. Wow. But at yeah. the time, the question, the honest question for anyone at that time was, How can you be sure they're going to? And the answer from everybody was, I don't know. Mm. I think they've got a quality business. I think they can probably find a way and it's worth a punt. Yep. You and know, I think that's very reasonable by the way, but I, I don't feel bad about that because it's not my style of investing. I think too,
1: you, you talk a lot about generals fighting the last war, and I think, you know, we were very familiar with what happened in the dot com bubble mm. and it was all about eyeballs, eyeballs, yeah, eyeballs. True. And it didn't matter if you weren't making any money, but because you had all the eyeballs, you know, eventually you'll figure out how to monetize yep. it. Well guess what? That's exactly what happened with yeah, Facebook. True. they got they've got everyone in the world, well, daily active users get, get this <laughs> one point three seven billion billion people—it's yep. just such a phenomenal number. Now, monthly got- active
2: users is two billion. Oh, geez, like two—that's that's almost one in three people on the earth yeah. using Facebook at least once a month. Yeah, plus one actually because I started using it throughout the month, so I'm, I'm helping that. Uh, that is the absolute capitulation thats isn't I, that. I'm going to be that telling that, all my colleagues I, to sell right now. If, if you own Facebook, Facebook, sell right now. <laughs> When Andrew finally took me about on board, two weeks to... to figure out what it was all about. To be, to be honest, with you. what is this Facebook thing? I,
1: honestly, I was still calling it the Facebook, which is how, which is how wrong I was.
2: A really quick, a really quick hark back. We we'll talk about the young things. Just a massive tangent. Um, you, I don't know if you remember this. You're probably not old enough. Liam's certainly not old enough. I was thinking the other day. Remember when the, when BHP is called the BHP? No. Do you remember that? People say oh, I no. work at the BHP. No. I heard a bloke interviewed on the radio, and he talked about working at the BHP, yeah. and it was it was called the B. It just was what it was called, whether you work right. in Newcastle or, or Wollongong. It was called the BHP, and I just thought that was kind of one of those harkbacks. So, people listening to us who are a little bit older than you, Andrew, you're not, you're not. Uh... You're not quite as old. I'm Some older listeners? than you, dude. Well, you know, <laughs> not, not, I do still call
1: not, Myers Grace Brothers. There you go. The there, so there you go. You know, I'm, I'm very much my. There'll the be past. people.
2: There'll be people listening who are calling it farmers as well. Uh, so look, that was just massive yeah. tangent, but interesting. The Facebook, the BHP. It's funny how quickly things change. It,
1: it is. It is. And look, I just I'll, look, I'll just, just to quickly wrap up with Facebook here. I, one of the things that, that that they managed to do was that they they uh, we talk about them as a tech company. They are not. They are a media company. Yeah. And, good and point. they have the eyeballs. Really they, good point. You know, ninety nine point whatever percent of their revenue comes from. But Andrew, what do they sell they, they well this is the thing we are the product this <laughs> this is how it's so genius they don't have to hire reporters is that brilliant all of the media outlets knowingly post their stuff yeah, there yeah everyone else posts all their thoughts there and yep. they monetize that so they've for virtually no cost they've got all this content yep. for free yep. and they charge a squillion for
2: advertisers it. pay to get access to you they're buying you. You're the product.
1: It's fantastic. Now, shares did go down, I have to say, afterward now, Ooh. massively. And the reason was is that Zuck, um, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I suck. Zuck. To his mates. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, and Zuck. Me and Zuck like yeah, this. Yeah. And and uh, he said, we're going to add 10,000 more employees by the end of 2018. And this is in response because, and I yeah, think, right. frankly, I'm not a shareholder, which I was. Um, maybe it's not <laughs> too late. But but uh, they're getting a lot of um, uh, criticism over all the fake news, misinformation, yeah. state-sponsored um uh, efforts to sway public opinion, and I think yep. they recognise that as a pretty much all. It might be a bit too far in saying an existential threat, but yep. a very, very serious. Threat oh, definitely regulatory
2: risk, absolutely. You know,
1: so I think they're absolutely smart. The market may be a bit too short-sighted in doing. If if they have to add a bit of cost to ensure their long-term survivability and dominance, I think it was a good thing. We got to move on because we're going to run out of time. We will. Can I, you know who I've got the biggest man crush on? I'm going to admit <laughs> right now. That, I I don't want to be embarrassed by this. So if it's, it's me, not, it's not oh, you, mate. Don't, don't. There is no. There let, is no fear of that, Liam. Liam, Liam's up there. Liam's, in, Liam's top 10. He's an attractive man. He's a very attractive man. Very good football caller. But he's not as attractive as Mr. Elon Musk. <laughs> I, I, if I ever see him, I'd like to give him a big cuddle because he is just the coolest dude. He is so rad. Elon security
2: has gone to red I, alert. I've
1: right I, I, I got a lot of time for Did you. you say he was red, by the way? Yeah, he's, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it <laughs> Groovy, Rad is coming <laughs> back. You heard it here first.
2: All right, let's make it quick. Tell me about Tesla. So
1: he, this is a guy who's um, basically uh, disrupting the entire auto industry and rockets and <laughs> Neuralink and just yep. everything he's doing Solar is energy. super cool. You yep. name it. Yep. And he's just... He, Battery he, technology. He got his start with, uh, well, uh, PayPal, mm. essentially. Yep. Um, made a squillion dollars there. Bet it all on these other things and just these... these he's a really, really smart businessman. And anyway, um, he's he's, he's going to save us all. He, he's our new messiah. <laughs> Have I gone too far yet? Yes.
2: Okay. He's not the messiah, mate. He's just a very well, naughty here's, boy.
1: Well, here is the thing, right? So they made, Tesla made their biggest ever quarterly loss. In one quarter, in a three-month period, they lost 1.4 billion billion oh. US dollars. The dear. Model 3 sedan, which is their new sort of everyman car, they, they're moving mm. down the, the uh, elite spectrum. Well, a little. <laughs> a little bit. That's still still out of many people's price yes. range, of course. But still BMW
2: 3 Series prices.
1: Still coming down very, very quickly. Yeah. So part of all the... Anyway, There's there's been a bit of a bottleneck at their Gigafactory. I could say Gigafactory all day long. Isn't that the coolest word? Oh, our
2: listeners would love that. Can you say that for another uh, half an hour or so? Gigafactory. And oh, the okay. other thing, it's, okay. it's
1: like with the, uh, the the Tesla, they've got ludicrous mode. <laughs> The, the dude is so cool. Anyway, um, uh, big bottlenecks there. And yet, and yet, shares are up 18 times in seven years. They're up 70% over the last year. How does a company lose that much money and still attract that kind of valuation?
2: I'm going to try and answer very quickly because we are running out of time. I think this is that one of the amazing things about the new investment world. Mm-hmm. There is enough money now. Now, look, if in hindsight, we might look back at this and go, wow, investors were really stupid back in 2017, right? So That's one of the possibilities. The rational view right now is that investors are saying to themselves, I'm going to back an Amazon at breakeven. I'm going to back a Tesla I'm losing money. There's, a, there's more of a, a venture capital slash private equity feel to the way some people are thinking about investing. And so the Amazon share price, frankly, you know, $1,000 plus still not making much money. Mm. Tesla up, as you said, 70% this year, still losing a fortune. Mm. Um, people are betting on the long term future. And frankly, as an investor, I really like the fact that people are looking out that long. Mm. The question will be whether they're making sensible long-term bets or whether they're speculating, and that'll probably be uh, clearer to us in a few years. We'll come back in a few years' time, and we'll uh, give it a verdict on Always, Tesla.
1: always, Always back, Mr. Musk. He is going to do it.
2: Um, uh, what, else, what was the other company
1: we're going to talk about very that'll quickly? Oh, uh, we'll just say Apple. It was a fantastic result. It was we just... pretty
2: good. I will say one red flag or yellow flag yes. is their iPhone size only increased 2.5%. That's true. So while it was a top, top line of 12% growth, bottom line 19%, but the handsets only grew 2.5%. If you can't sell more phones, a little bit of a possible concern there. Well, here's, here's
1: an interesting stat for you. I think you make a valid point. They, I think
2: one in five phones globally is an iPhone.
1: So right. they've only got 20% of the market. Yep. They capture 92% of the profits in that market. That's right, isn't it? Isn't you that, take that amazing?
0: Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
2: State. Speaking of amazing, um, how, speaking of profits. Uh, here we go. So, so Scott, tell puts, me again how terrible my Bitcoin investment Scott
1: was. I bought some Bitcoin last week. <laughs> my head exploded. I'm still I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, frankly. Mm. What are you
2: up? Well, I I am pulling up my app on my phone. Yep.
1: Just Refreshing it right now. The app that doesn't let you sell the Bitcoin thought, is that it, the it, same details, details, okay, details. Right, okay.
2: 122 out of my 100 buck investment so far. 22%. What 22% in about what two weeks?
1: uh so times that by 26 and you realize that
2: i'm i'm a i'm a trillionaire by christmas put it that way mate if only
1: you could sell and lock that (laughs) profit in did we cover that last week yeah Uh, well we we will continue to track it yeah i will continue to laugh until
2: (laughs) until i don't the app i used to buy the bitcoin doesn't let me sell for those listeners who we didn't mention last week or if we have and don't remember so i have i have a hypothetical profit that even if i wanted to cash in i couldn't (laughs) so i'm either up 22 percent or cool. still down 100%. I'm not sure yet. I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards the latter.
0: <laughs> Get more Motley Fool money advice at
2: fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
1: Very quickly, mate. We got yes. a, uh, well, you got a direct message on Twitter throughout yes. the week. Tell me all about that.
2: Well, it was, it was sent to us at the Motley Fool, but I answered it okay. and uh, I mentioned it was me. So... Um, we had a, a Andrew on Twitter. I, I won't give you his Twitter handle because he direct messages rather than using mm-hmm. it publicly. So I'll, I'll just call him Andrew. Not Andrew Page, thankfully. Good name. He says, I'll start off by saying I love your show. I'm saying that because it's, it's good. Um, Mr. Page and you. Mr. Page. I don't even call you Mr. Page. Oh. Jeez. Because I'm respected. <laughs> Mr. Page and you are very funny and entertaining. It is also the only finance podcast I can get my wife to listen to. I reckon that's pretty good. That's cool. I also worry about Andrew's wife. Andrew's wife, I did ask after that. Andrew's wife's name is Nadine. Uh, she's a teacher, and she say, and Andrew says she passes her motley, fool and barefoot investor knowledge onto her students. So thank you, Nadine. Thank you, Andrew, for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Andrew actually did have a question other than just some straight-out uh, affection you just wanted to get that in That's there, all I wanted yeah, to throw yeah, out, really. Yeah. Uh, but, but g'day, Nadine. G'day, Andrew. I first started investing just before the GFC hit, so I got thrown in the deep end early. I've read a lot of books on investing and researching stocks to become my number one hobby. It's pretty cool. Been there? Um, I know. How boring I hear people say. <laughs> I'm heavily invested in Australian <laughs> stocks. Uh, I know I need more exposure overseas markets. So I started doing a lot of research and have a list of 39 US stocks on a watch list, which is awesome. And he's got an international trading account with Comsec. Also awesome. Well done, mate. So here's the question. He's saying he's got stocks on his watch list that are from listed in Toronto, in Hong Kong, in London, uh, on the DAX in Germany, in, in Switzerland. Um, and he's saying, you know, it, it, with Comsec, can going only U.S. stocks. But he's saying they're listed in the U.S. and in those home markets. What should he do? Should he buy the markets across? Should he buy the stocks in those different markets, or should he just buy them on the U.S. exchange and keep it simple?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it, it's each to their own kind of thing. There's absolutely—it's it, a question of how how um, active you want to be. I, look, I, I obviously really love all of this kind of stuff. Mm. That's what I do. Um, but I actually focus in t- almost entirely on the Australian market mm. and unfortunately I don't have a billion dollars to invest with. So for the kind of capital I'm playing around with, I find I get like actually plenty of opportunity and I prefer to have that really, really tight focus yep. and that doesn't mean it's right. That's just right for me. Right. Um, I definitely want exposure to the US market and so I do that through some ETFs, just through my super accounts, really, really boring, easy stuff, but I, 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 I get to have those exposures to the Facebooks and the Amazons of this world through that in a very low fuss fashion, mm. so that's me, um, you yourself, I know do it directly in in the U S um, because that's for you. So I guess the the question you've got to, uh, the the warning I would give is that the risk here is that you spread yourself too thin Mm. because there is the the more companies you have in your portfolio, the more markets you're following, the more homework that you have to do. Mm. And if you just love that kind of stuff and that you do it all day, every day, then that's, that's probably fine. That's probably great, Yep. but just, just be honest with yourself because you you do commit to, you know. to doing a lot of work if, if you're going to take
2: that approach. Nice. I think the other thing I would I would say, Andrew was asking specifically about whether he should buy on the US exchange or in those other exchanges. So should he buy the Hong Kong company in the Hong Kong exchange or buy it on the US where it's dual listed? So i let you take that one. This is a, this is a, a bit of a different question. Uh, generally speaking, I, I, there, is, there is probably no difference. Um, and so frankly, you're kind of entitled to about the same... Returns are uh, positive or negative from owning them on any of the exchanges. My personal view is I would, if you're available in the US, consolidate all of my trading there. The US system is the best regulatory system, probably in the world. Australia is pretty good, too, by the way. But I, I think the the language, the the same uh, standard accounts, so the gap accounting they use, generally, generally agreed accounting practices or principles. Um, so yeah I, I would I would probably consolidate my purchase in the US market only it's simpler for tax it's simpler for currency it's just simpler all around yep. um, I think I would do that the only reason I mightn't is if I wanted some sort of currency diversification but it kind of gets a bit tricky and frankly a bit too clever at that point so mm-hmm. buy in the US it'll, uh, it'll probably simplify life for you uh, and you'll be able to access the same companies anyway alright value stocks market stock market index share market this is motley fool money subscribe
0: to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple m is
1: it time to go oh it's time to go or do we have we haven't done our horse thing yet
2: oh all right can you be quick <laughs> yeah i'll be very quick. all right here we go
1: there we go <laughs> mate i'll i do this very quickly and i've done it before um uh, but I think it's worth mentioning. I, I've gotten a few questions about it over the week, and this is this idea of stop-loss orders. Stop-loss orders. Stop-loss order is an order stop that sure you can losses, set in, in advance. You can say, I, if the stock ever falls below this price, then I want to sell. Right. And people see it as this, like, this free lunch of yeah. ensuring that they're never going to have... Uh, too big a loss. If the
2: shares are 30 bucks and I can sell at 26 and I can lock that in, in advance, what's the downside? Well, my, my, my downside
1: is capped and it makes imminent, imminent sense at a, at a very high level. Unfortunately, in practice, it doesn't tend to work. The reality is, is that stocks are very, very volatile. So even if you look at the Amazons and the Facebooks and these sort of mega tech stars that we've been talking about, they have not gone up in a straight line. So by and large, most people that have had stop loss orders on those things, the only thing that happens is they just get knocked out all the time. Um, so it makes their broker a fortune. It doesn't do them any favors. Plus, I tend to think it outsources thinking. You, if, if you don't have a clear mm. idea, it doesn't have to be to the cent, but you need to have a pretty clear idea of roughly what a company is worth. Forget what the market is telling you. I mean, when you're buying shares, you're you're actively saying the market is wrong. Otherwise, yep. you wouldn't be buying them, yep. right? So, so you, you, you're starting with the premise that the market isn't always right. And then you're selling on a premise that the market is always <laughs> well, suddenly right. Be right exactly. You know, it, 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 it's illogically inconsistent. Yep. So if you have no idea what the, what the shares are worth or what, you know, I've always said decide in advance at what price you would sell for mm. the better or for worse, mm. you know, and all, all things being equal. When you start outsourcing your thinking, you'll find that your trading costs go up significantly. Mm-hmm. More often than not, you sell out of these wonderful companies for, yeah. for short term reasons. Yep. Um, there are instances where someone will say, yes, but what about in the GFC? And of course, there are instances where that they actually prove their worth but they are the exception to the rule so it's like one of these things that on balance over time it does more harm than good and you know what you can manually sell whenever time anytime you want as well so if circumstances validate that then just you know what you can do it with an app now it takes you three seconds to sell a share you know it's not that hard to do Just not bitcoin just not bitcoin
2: i i agree completely i will add my very quick two cents which is amazon went from three or 30 to 90 and yeah. then back to nine, and then drop 90%. Right, man. and and you could have been stopped at any one along that journey. That nine dollar price is now a thousand bucks. That was a very, very expensive stop loss. Yeah, um, the, the loss you avoided, yes, <laughs> cost you a hundred times in terms of the gain you also avoided. Um, the other thing is, too, you should never, ever, ever to your point, around about the market being right, never, ever sell on the basis of share price movement alone. If yep. there is news, by all means, sell if it doesn't work. But just because the share price has fallen or risen, the market is there to serve you, not to inform you. And if you remember that. You'll stay away from stop losses, and I reckon you'll almost certainly have a better investment outcome as a result. Well said,
1: mate. And thank you, thank mate. you again. Uh, it was another good chat. Always enjoy chatting with you. And thank and you, you again to our listeners. Um, for bearing with us, mostly. For bearing with us. Um, uh, don't forget you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast uh, through iTunes or through any Android podcast app. And you should. And, and we always ask, please give us a nice big fat five star rating.
2: Or go or, to fool.com.au forward slash Triple M and subscribe to our free newsletter written by Bruce Jackson and myself and Andrew. All right. Until next time, full on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this
0: program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.